Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast, Everything Katernix Quail. So, before we get into today's episode, I have to ask a really quick favor of you guys. Here are three things that you can do to help support the podcast, because if you love this podcast and you want to give it as much support as you can, then please go ahead and do these three simple things. It would really help me out, help the podcast out, and support what I'm doing so I can keep creating awesome educational content for you guys. All right, so the first one is please follow the podcast wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. If you scroll up to the top, you'll see the little follow icon or it should be a little plus symbol. Don't forget to click that and you will be notified every time a new episode is released so that you do not miss a single one. Secondly, please give the podcast a five-star review. If you think the podcast is worth five stars, if you love what you're learning, if you love listening to it, if it's helped you out a lot, if you could go in real quick wherever you're listening, I believe Spotify and Apple are the two that allow reviews, and you just give it a quick five-star review, that would really help boost the algorithm, help get the podcast some good ratings, and that would really be appreciated. Third thing, spread the word. Share the podcast with a friend, mention it on Instagram, wherever you are on social media. Let everyone in the homesteading community know that there is an awesome podcast devoted to Caternix quail as well as a few other things such as gardening. We're going to talk a little bit about raising rabbits, composting, all that good stuff. So be sure to make sure that you tune in, that your friends tune in, and that you mention the podcast on social media so that people can come find it, come listen, and learn some awesome stuff. So today's episode is the first episode in which I branch out and start talking about another homestead animal, and that's rabbits. Rabbits are a great suburban homestead animal or even a rural homestead animal. They're super versatile. They do breed like rabbits. They can provide First and foremost, manure, no matter what breed you raise, you will be getting awesome garden gold to grow your plants nice and big, as well as meat, pelts, wool, and breeding stock to help support your homestead. So super great, versatile animals, really fun in my opinion to have around. So today we are going to be talking about what I have been doing as an advisor to my younger brother who is doing a rabbit project right now. So I did used to raise rabbits before I had Caternix quail or started gardening. I raised rabbits for a year and a half and well, I did it. It was an amazing journey. I learned so much about rabbits. They're great animals. I do love them. For a variety of reasons, I got out of raising rabbits. That is an episode in itself and one for another day. But my brother does own a Holland Lop pair. He has continued with breeding his Holland Lops. I helped him do it the first time around and they've just had a second litter. For the second litter, I suggested we change things up and do it a little bit differently. So we decided to get into colony breeding. And it was an idea of mine, as I said, I was no longer raising rabbits. My younger brother, my youngest sibling, does have a Holland Lot pair. He is doing a neat project. I raised my rabbits the entire time I had them. I raised them in cages. And he raised his rabbits in cages up until this point. 
I raised mine in cages. I kept the cages outside whenever I could, so I didn't have to use trays and I didn't have to do super frequent poop scooping. It's a hard job. It's a labor intensive job. You know, those trays, they can be big. The smaller cages, they would be two by two feet. The larger ones, I had a 24 by 30. Those are big trays to carry. They're heavy. You know, they're full of poop. Um, not the funnest job. I had done some research into colony breeding and into pen breeding because when I got out of rabbits, one of the impetuses for that was I had started to feel it was a little depressing to keep my rabbits in these cages. And I do not condemn using cages in any way. They are, when used appropriately, definitely a great way to house rabbits, especially especially to house large numbers of rabbits in smaller places such as sheds or garages or a small outdoor nook. They're super sanitary, easy to keep clean, all the poop and pee falls right through the floor. So definitely some nice benefits to it. But I personally, I could see that they were healthy, I could see that they were content, but they didn't have a lot of enrichment. You know, I you do your best to give them little toys and treats, but you know, you give them their little hanging hay stick and they destroy that and then you have to buy another one. You can give them rubber balls and things like that. Rabbits love to chew. They'll chew on just about anything really. And the cost can definitely add up trying to stock their cages with some treats and things to keep them entertained. And you know, like I said, they were healthy and content, but I just didn't feel they were living their le best life and they didn't have the opportunity to express themselves and have enrichment around to the full capacity that I could give them. So that was one of many reasons. There were many, that was not the only reason that I got out of raising rabbits. And my brother, he was not enjoying breeding his rabbits in cages aside from the work of dealing with the poop and pee and making sure that each cage had food and water. He also felt the same way as I did about trying to give them the best life we could. So I'd done a little bit of research on colony breeding and I knew that you could create a rabbit colony using a predator-proofed dog kennel. I house my Caternix quail inside a dog kennel before that, I kept my rabbits in their cages inside the dog kennel. It's a nice predator-proof structure, very sturdy. So we found a 4.5 by 4.5 foot miniature dog kennel. It's maybe three feet high, so it's not walk-in height, but if it was the size for a small dog. And we bought that and put it in a corner of our yard and my brother, with the help of my dad, covered it in hardware cloth and they placed some more hardware cloth around the edges from the dog kennel. I think they did it about a foot out on all sides so that if any rabbits dug under, they would run into the wire and stop digging. And we placed some old roof shingles in there, a clay pumpkin, a pot. They're being watered using standard rabbit water bottles. Those were just the easiest. We've got two water bottles attached to the outside of the enclosure. They're being fed out of a glass Tupperware container, actually. We just fill it up with food. We use a 16% protein pellet diet, um, put some calf man on top of that for extra protein, and then they get a handful of hay in there every day. So once we set up the colony, we started by 
putting the buck in first. For reference, a buck is an intact male and a doe is an intact female. It's just like deer. That's what I like to tell people. People will use terms like male and female, boys and girls, often if they have pet rabbits, but in the breeding rabbit community, it's typically buck and doe. And you sometimes people will slip up or just prefer to call them male and female, but for the most part, it's buck and doe. We introduced the buck, his name is Earl, and we left him there for about two days on his own. And the reason that we introduced the buck first is because does are extremely territorial. That is why if you breed rabbits cage style, you bring the doe to the buck, not the buck to the doe, because the doe does not care if it is someone there to mate with her, she will likely attack the intruder. The buck, however, if he sees that a lovely lady bunny has been brought to his cage, will be more than happy to invite her in. We put him in first knowing that he would accept her if she was the second one introduced into the cage. And after about two days, we introduced her and it went well. So after they'd mated a couple of times, she made it clear to him that she was done mating. When he would try and make advances towards her, she would give him a little hiss or a little swipe with her paws if need be, and he got the message. So after that, they kind of just, they happily coexisted in their little colony. I made a mental note of when they'd been added together because it was colony breeding. I wasn't too concerned about tracking the exact number about tracking the exact due date because I didn't need to provide a nest box. There were already plenty of nesting places in the colony and opportunities for her to dig her own nesting spot if she wanted to. And I was providing them with hay so she would have some materials to do that with, as well as hay is just important for gut health and rabbits and whatnot. It's fun for them. Helps wear down their teeth. It's good entertainment. So sure enough, about 30, 31 days later, I didn't track the exact gestation period. In rabbits, it's about 31 days, very quick. But about that time later, we found that she had given birth in a pot. I found, actually. I was the one. I went out there to check on them, and she had given birth in one of the pots. And because this was colony breeding, I decided not to check on the nest. I let it be for maybe the first week and a half. And after that, I noticed that an odor was really starting to build up. And I should mention, in addition to the pots and whatnot, she also had her nest box. I did put it in there a few days before because she is an experienced mom and I thought, oh, she might prefer to give birth in a nest box. But no, she chose the pot. And after about a week and a half, I noticed that there seemed to be a bad smell coming from the pot. And one thing when you're not checking the nesting place as you normally would with a nest box placed in a cage is that nest boxes are usually cleaned every so often because the urine and poop does build up from the baby bunnies. You know, they're all huddled up in there and they can, they can make quite a mess in their nest box. So I got a little bucket and I tucked a nice comfy puppy pee pad in there. Puppy pee pads, they're so multi-purpose. I popped in the baby bunnies with as much hair as I could save and I cleaned out the pot. And it had gotten really saturated with pee actually. Some insects had started to live in there and you may be thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds kind of careless. And I, it, it was a little bit careless in hindsight that I thought, 
you know, because it was a more natural nesting environment, I thought I was expecting her to dig a burrow, actually. I thought the waste management of the nest would be a little bit better. But alas, no, I should still have been cleaning that pot. And I really realized the pot was not the ideal nesting spot. They were way in the back where it wasn't easy for me to keep an eye on how they were doing. And in addition to that, there was just, she'd stuffed so much hay, dirt, fur that she'd pulled to build the nest that it was really making quite a smelly mess in there beyond what a nest box normally would. So I took the nest box and I popped some cardboard in the bottom, some wood shavings. Actually, we'd run out of hay, so I took some grass. I pulled it right out of the ground. We have some long grass growing on the hill and I use that as hay. It sounds like a very creative solution but we do live in California and we have pretty mild weather especially in springtime so I wasn't too worried about them being cold but normally yeah you have the wood shavings and the hay. I used wood shavings and long grass and it worked. It worked quite well. So I popped them in there with as much hair as I, there were four sweet little bunnies and they'd all grown their fur. I should mention there was enough visibility that I could tell there was a nest in there. The biggest pile of fur is where the babies are. I didn't find any peanuts because they are dwarf rabbits. Holland Lops do carry a lethal gene, meaning that 25% of the litter will die within a couple of days. That sounds like a big number, but to give an example, her last litter, pretty big for a Holland Lop. She had six bunnies, only one died when it was about five days old. So you'll get 50% true dwarf, 25% false dwarf, which means that they'll be a little bit bigger than the average Holland Lop and they will not be showable once they reach standard size. If you raise them for pets or non-show purposes, you won't care about this. If you do show them, you will care somewhat about this because they will be good breeding rabbits, but not for the show table. That's how the genetics of breeding two true dwarf Holland Lops work, or any other dwarf breed. You can tell I was in it when I was into it. So I cleaned out the nest, and after that I came, and about a week later I cleaned the nest again. And this time we had gone to the store and bought some hay, so I put some hay in. I used a medium-sized nest box. I actually, I never bought a small size nest box. I had large nest boxes for the silver foxes I used to raise and I did buy a medium one and that's the one that I've always used for our Holland Lopdo. I think it's nice for it to have a little extra room. I've never had any problems with it. So at about two and a half weeks old I noticed that the baby bunnies had climbed out of their nest box and they were hopping around and that was sweet. I got to really interact with them for the first time with their eyes and ears open. Like, hey, you guys can see now. When I cleaned their nest box, the second or third time, I cleaned it a couple of times. They'd already opened their eyes and this was at about two weeks old. So I let them roam around while I was cleaning it and it was sweet. They went and said hi to their parents. And of course, the funny things that babies do when they come out of the nest, they go over to their mom and they grab on her nipples and they start nursing upside down no less and she'll stand there looking kind of disgruntled like ah oh, they're gonna follow me everywhere wanting milk now but I will say in the colony they harass her for milk much less when I was doing breeding in the cages the mom she'd be hopping around and a couple little babies would come up they'd grab onto her nipples she'd shake them off they'd do it again because rabbits while the babies are still in the nest box they only nurse them once or twice a day 
usually at around dawn and dusk when nobody's around. They don't want you to see it. Or Hall and Lop, actually, I've seen her nursing a few times or hopping in to check on them. She doesn't mind if I'm around to watch, but my silver fox doe, she was like, no, you're not gonna see me anywhere near the babies until they come out of their nest. So that was sweet. And after I finished cleaning up, they went right back in. At about two and a half weeks, they all came out, they started hopping around. And then at maybe three weeks old, we had an unfortunate incident. So the colony, it is fully predator proof, but there was a small gap between the door and the adjoining wall that a very a small baby bunny might have been able to fit out of. It was not covered in wire like the rest of the colony and the baby bunny may have slipped out. I discovered a couple days after when missing there was also a spot under the door where there was a decent gap. The bunnies had been digging there and the wire had not been tied down properly to that spot. And I believe that was where the baby bunny escaped. Either it clambered out or a raccoon reached in and grabbed it, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I looked all around for the baby bunny. I couldn't find it. So that that is one thing that typically doesn't happen when you keep your rabbits in a fully enclosed cage. That That is one of the risks when you build a colony is you really have to make sure you have properly and thoroughly predator proofed it and that definitely going to be corrected before the next litter arrived but ultimately even though that was very unfortunate and we did end up losing baby bunnies so the litter of four is now down to the litter of three i think that the benefits definitely outweigh the one major setback that we have we had a thunderstorm recently and they were completely dry in there the the colony stayed completely dry. We haven't noticed any predators visiting the colony, even though, like I said, it is possible one reached in and grabbed the missing baby bunny. I think likely it escaped on its own. Baby bunnies, they do love to explore every little nook and crevice they can escape through. It's been quite safe and for the adult bunnies, at least completely secure. I would say the biggest, the biggest thing making the bunnies uncomfortable would probably be our dogs who like to roam around it. And they're slowly getting used to it and they give them a little bit less attention. So before I suggested we try out colony breeding, I'd watched a couple documentaries on wild rabbits and I learned that in the wild, rabbits, they'll have anywhere from typically two to three litters in the spring, sometimes as many as four through the spring and summer. And the rest of the year they do not breed and how this works is that in the wild a rabbit's most fertile period is within the first 48 hours after she gives birth you may be thinking what that's crazy but please but it's important to remember that these are rabbits they are not humans at all they have a very different reproductive system from us they are polyesterous which means they are induced ovulators they ovulate in response to sexual stimulation. Interesting fact about rabbits for you, they do not have menstrual cycles, estrus cycles, they are polyestrous. They can get pregnant almost any time. It has been suggested in recent research that there are two days out of every 14 days when they cannot breed. However, most of the time they will become pregnant. Most of the incidences which they do not become pregnant, they are either too young, they're stressed out, or they simply reabsorb the fetuses due to stress or malnutrition. They will almost always get pregnant. 
there's there's something for you to remember. Some rabbits are more seasonal breeders than others, but for the most part, they will breed and get pregnant whether you want them to or not, unless they are appropriately separated. When you are doing colony breeding, and if you do not separate the buck and the doe before the next litter is born, the buck will rebreed the doe just as wild bunnies would and she will have another litter four weeks later. And I know this can sound a little bit intensive, especially with domestic rabbits, but one thing I do want to mention with colony breeding is that you typically breed them, in our case, a maximum of maybe three at the most four times a year. We're really not interested in extending the number of litters per year beyond that for a number of reasons, including, of course, very importantly, the health of the doe. She had her first litter in the fall last year. This is her second litter. She'll have another litter in a week or so and possibly a fourth and final one for the year later this year in the fall. Tomorrow, the baby bunnies will be four weeks old. They are old enough in the colony breeding system. They are now old enough to be weaned. They are completely transitioned onto solid food. They will not be needing their mom's milk anymore. And another thing is in larger rabbits and meat breeds, weaning typically will take place at eight weeks or even later. Um, like six weeks is the very earliest you might wean young rabbits of the meat breeds and the larger breeds, but this is a smaller breed. I'm I'm feeling with the smaller breed that it's a little bit easier to mimic a more natural lifestyle, and so they will be weaned at four weeks. They are all ready to eat solid food on their own. They are going to go into a large cage that I have. We only have the one colony set up, so the current litter will be moved into a cage. The buck will go into another cage so he does not rebreed her a third time. I do wonder if she would let him breed her a third time. I honestly, I think she might. It is the spring and summertime. It's like the peak fertile season, but she needs a break. They are all ready to have a little break, especially the mom, of course. She will be having another litter. She will be alone this time. Oh, I didn't mention her name. Her name is Chaco. It will just be her and her next litter. So I will be making a couple parts to this little mini-series on our experience with colony breeding in rabbits. I do want to address that I know some people who prefer to do the cage-style breeding system may choose that in part due to concerns over pathogens or bacteria in the dirt, and that is definitely a risk that you accept with colony breeding. You're exposing not only your adult rabbits, but your pregnant rabbits your lactating rabbits, your baby rabbits. They are born and raised right on the dirt. I think that to some degree that will help them build a little bit of an immunity resistance. It does also expose them, that is true. But I have really found that for the most part, as long as you really securely proof that colony, not only for the adults, but make sure the babies can't get out too. We did learn that the hard way, that it is a safe, infective, and a really nice and enriching environment for them. They have done a bit of digging. The doe did not dig a burrow to give birth in. She chose to give birth in a pot. And I hopefully next time she'll choose the nest box. I am sort of hoping she'll choose that. We did buy them like a grass bowl type thing. It's a woven Timothy Hay hidey hole. 
and the baby bunnies have really enjoyed that and they did actually start chewing it up a little bit. I prefer she use the next box. It's a nice sturdy spot. We'll see though. It is her own judgment and she has dug some deep crevices at this point. She has gotten a little bit more serious about that in recent days so she may be thinking to use one of those as her next nest. We'll see. I think that it has worked really well. If you've tried cage style breeding or didn't enjoy it, found setting up the infrastructure too complicated or too expensive, I definitely struggled with both too complicated and too expensive when I had to deal with trying to stack all the cages and find spots to put them and da 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 and keep all the rabbits separate. And it's definitely useful to have some spare cages on hand just because if you have bucks beyond 12 weeks old, they will fight with each other and they can be quite aggressive. The does can live together peacefully, all the does who are sisters. And they can live with their moms too if she's not being rebred. That's nice. They can just stay with her. We have, we have two does in our litter. I don't know if the remaining one is a buck. We only brought two inside to play with. Like my dad, he went out and he came back holding he was holding the Timothy Hay Heidi hole with two baby bunnies in it. And he said, where's the third? Oh, I couldn't catch it. But two of them are does. I haven't sexed the third one, so I will check that out. Colony breeding is also a little bit similar to pens, where basically you use pens on the ground and maybe you keep each rabbit in a pen or you keep a couple does in a pen, something like that. I think we only have done, we only have tried colony breeding with the one pair. But I think if you have more than one buck, the typical arrangement is a buck and a couple of does in a colony. I don't know if you can do two bucks in a colony, possibly in a very large one, you probably would get a couple scuffles between them, if not a full-blown fight. Like rabbits are extremely territorial. They can be very aggressive. I have seen many a fight between rabbits mistakenly put together. So if you have been doing the more traditional cage style breeding and it hasn't really been working out for you, or if you're getting into rabbits and you're interested in a more natural approach to raising and breeding them, or maybe you're interested in something like raising pastured meat rabbits, colony bred meat rabbits, something like that, or even if you're just getting a pet and you want them to have a neat outdoor enclosure, I hope that this episode has been helpful for you guys. Again, it will be one of two or three parts. I will definitely give an update on how it's going later down the road. I have made a couple Instagram posts on these guys. With that, everyone, thank you so much for listening. As always, don't forget to follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and CastBox to give it a five-star rating if you really enjoy it and share it with friends, family, and fellow homesteaders. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you.